Welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. My name is Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm. We are an Ohio-based farm located in a Zone 6A growing zone. We currently grow a large variety of fruits and vegetables as well as other edibles. We have chickens and bees and worms and all kinds of fun things on our farm. We hope you enjoy the show. We are a weekly episodic podcast. We do have occasionally um, some breakthrough shows that we'll post throughout the uh, throughout the seasons. However, every Wednesday you can tune in for a brand new episode. If you haven't already, make sure that you give us a follow so that you can be notified of new podcasts and add us to your library on Spotify so that we show up in your library. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. On today's episode, we have our very first guest appearance. I'm going to let her introduce herself. My name is Lori, and my last name is Osterlohegeman, and some people kind of hear all of those letters together and freak out. So Lori, the herb chick, works very well, um, or that chick with the herbs. Um, I actually started out like with a big interest in plants very early, even before I had an interest in medicinal plants. Um, I actually did 12 years of 4-H and four years of FFA and uh, have a state FFA degree and all those great things. And so when I started in college at 18, I thought for sure, I am going to go be an ag teacher because I have to teach people, you know, all about agricultural education, which it's, it's very important information, but that's what I had started out doing. And then, you know, life happens and things take turns and your course changes a little bit. And so when I was like 17 or 18, well, when I was 16, I totaled my car, had a lot of health issues after that. Um, I don't think it was immediately caused by totaling my car, but it was kind of like the stress that just kind of kicked me off the side of the cliff. So I started turning to a lot of medicinal herbs and stuff. So as I got further into my 20s, and for some reason I thought it was a good idea to get married, and I had a couple of kids, you know, the medicinal herbs kind of took a little more of a front seat in what I was doing with my life. But it's still all about plants and medicinal plants and what you can grow yourself and foraging. I'm all over it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so what is your favorite thing to grow? Right now, this last year, I grew Tulsi, which is also known as holy basil. And um, it's an adaptogen herb that um trying to think of a good way to describe it. It's kind of one of those that like if you are overly stressed out or and you are hyper with it, or if you're the kind of person that gets overly stressed out and you're just exhausted and you're dragging tail behind you, it kind of brings down the highs and brings up to lows to kind of give your body a better capability of responding to stressors does that make any sense um it it's one of those like adaptogen herbs or some of those those plants that have been studied to show how they can help prolong stamina through like athletic trials and stuff so sure but yeah holy i didn't think it would grow here because it's traditionally native in <laughs> india and through indonesia and oh my gosh i had a huge stand of it that's fantastic. Now, did you grow it outdoors or in a raised bed or in the ground? How did you grow it? I started it in my garage. Um, I have, um, it's actually just rigged up. It's nothing that I bought specifically for it. It was kind of, my older two boys worked at a restaurant and they were throwing out a bunch of stuff and somehow I, they liked, they're, they're pretty much good little scavengers, but <laughs> Somehow I ended up with parts of the stuff that they were throwing out from the restaurant next door in my garage. Nice. So I had all these baker's racks parts and none of the clips. So I ordered some clips. We put the baker's racks together and 
it's just like shelf and then on the shelf above that then I have like a a row of LED lights from Menards you know awesome. so I have those stacked up and then we have a, a plastic tent around it so it's black plastic on the outside and white plastic on the inside awesome and I throw a little heat mat under them because they don't really need light for the first eh, three weeks two weeks something like that mm-hmm. so throw a heat mat under them till the seeds pop and then start putting them on a timer for the light awesome sounds like you have a really fantastic uh seed starting rig uh but last episode i actually talked a lot about um ways to save money in your garden and I, I talked about you know finding random things and making them work so that's that's a prime example of that oh my gosh my whole house is a example of finding random things <laughs> <laughs> you know you and me both <laughs> and that's okay it makes for an eclectic interesting house it does. So once you started the the holy basil indoors, then were you able to bring it outdoors, or did it need more than um, Ohio can provide? Well, really, okay. So we are because you're in Dayton, so you're about the same zone I am. We're in a six A, I believe it might be six B, but our safe zone for no frost anymore is Mother's Day, right? So I really don't move out any plants that I have started in the garage. I don't move them out to bed until like right in between Mother's Day and Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because those racks are on wheels, I'll just unplug the lights and push them outside and then do the whole push them out for an afternoon and then push them back in and yep. do the back and forth. Uh, also, when they get a little taller... I will pull up the sides of the plastic and run a fan on them. Awesome. Because that kind of, it it mimics, you know, a breeze or the wind. And like sometimes when you start your plants, you put them out in the dirt and they just kind of flop over and lay there. They don't have that rigidity to the stems. So that running that fan kind of mimics that a little. Definitely. We do that too. The hardening off stage is a thing that a lot of people just omit when they start seeds indoors and I think that's why a lot of people who are just starting out kind of fail at seed starting and go straight for buying plant starts from a greenhouse or a nursery because they don't know why their plants are just flopping over and rotting and like you said outside for a couple of hours at a time because the natural sunlight is a very different type of light than we can provide with artificial lights and the artificial lights are great I mean, I, I just bought a brand new grow light um, for my stackable plants because I just started a whole vegetable garden indoors this afternoon. And you know, <laughs> it's important to have, you know, that light source because you can't get enough from just a window or an overhead. But, right. you know, this spring when these when these guys are huge and, you know, over overflowing their stackable containers, I'm going to have to make sure that I harden them off because otherwise I'm going to scorch them. Right. And you'll see that too. Sometimes um, if you go to a greenhouse, you'll see that sometimes the plants will have like a little bit of white around the outside edge and they literally get a sunburn. Yep. And, and that's what that is. And you got to keep in mind that when you go to even just to one, to Walmart or Menards or Lowe's or wherever you're going to get your bedding plants, they usually are started out in these huge hoop houses or the the um like if it's in a hoop house they can pull those sides up like they do curtains on the side of a of a barn with livestock Mm -hmm. and they get that whole breeze going in through there and they get the natural sunlight and then they can just throw that side back down it's a little it's it's a little more difficult than that you know when it's just you at home and you're starting them out on top of your deep freeze in front of a window but I mean, you can mimic that a little bit with just putting on a little tiny box fan and just getting a little breeze going and then like every other day switch the direction. That's exactly what we do here. (laughs) Yeah. Or just turn your tray around. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, sometimes depending on what I've got growing, that happens too. My sunflowers, I notoriously just twist the tray because they're so sturdy to begin with. I can just whip the tray around without risking them moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sunflower and even sunflowers too. Even if they're kind of floppy when you put them out, <laughs> give them a day, they'll be fine. Yeah, those pop right back up. 
So then, so once you've hardened them off, do you plant them in the ground or did you leave them in a container or? It kind of depends what I have room for. Um, so I have a couple of these great big plastic barrels. You'll see them sometimes they're food safe, um, finding random things. One of my older two boys, he had some friends who worked at an egg packing facility and they would get egg wash in these big plastic 50 gallon drums. Yeah. And originally he had brought a couple home because we were going to use them as our trash cans. And so, you know, I cut little handles out, you know, so we could use them for that. But of course the trash guys wouldn't use them because they insisted that they were too heavy and they refused to lift them up. (laughs) Which they might be, you know, I don't know. So I'm sitting there with these big white barrels. I'm like, what am I going to do with these? So I started making them into the grow barrels, basically like great big glorified strawberry planters, you know? So um, drill the holes. I would um, mark down all my lines where the pockets would be, drill a hole on each side of the line, run a jigsaw in between. And then I'd heat it up with this little propane torch and stick in um I think it was a two by four or something or two by two and just give it a twist. So it would pull out into a pocket while it was still gooey. Yep. And then we, I made um, feet on it. My husband bolted those on the bottom and we put PVC with lots of holes drilled in it through the middle. And then we will, every spring I get in an order of red crawlers where I have a friend who's trying really hard to establish a worm farm. I don't know how he's doing, but that's like his goal. He wants to get a worm farm going, (laughs) but, um, you know, I'll just put like five to 10 worms in each of those barrels and I'll stick them down through the middle. And then we can put, um, lighter compost items in the middle. And then sometimes too, we'll water through the middle, depending on how dry it is. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I've got three of those. And so like the um, oregano, I have one barrel that is dedicated to oregano. Can't talk tonight. It's dedicated to oregano. So it is the great big barrel of oregano. And then I laughingly have one that leans weird. I, no matter what I do, the darn thing leans. So we call it the leaning tower of basil. (laughs) I grew seven varieties of basil last year and it, it started out as a joke. I, I got sweet basil. That's my mom's favorite variety of basil is a sweet. Mm -hmm. And I started with that and then I started propagating it. And so it ended up being a monstrous amount of basil. And then a friend of mine brought me some, um, Thai basil and I to cook with, and I kept a couple sprigs off and I, I rooted them in some water and we yes. around here because I use shot glasses to propagate a lot of times. And so yes. I have trays of shot glasses sitting in my windowsill with all these random little plants on them. And so I started out with some Thai basil. And then I had the cinnamon basil, which I had never tried before. I'd heard of it, but I'd never really experimented with it. And we learned that we really, really like cinnamon basil in this house. It's amazing to mince it up and throw it in a fruit salad, which I never oh. thought of. But it gives a whole new flavor to it. And it just kind of started there. And the next thing I know, I had people dropping off like, hey, I got this lemon basil. You should try it. It's different. Oh, the lemon basil is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, I had seven different varieties of basil growing. And so the joke was like, I should open a pizza parlor here. Well, see, and that's where um, <laughs> my kids call the oregano barrel the uh, pizza barrel. Yeah. And oregano has so many properties that a lot of people don't even realize what an incredible plant oregano really is. It is. And well, and then I have the leaning tower of basil growing right next to the oregano barrel. And there really isn't a lot of shade in my backyard right now. Um, My neighbor cut down a great big four story. um, It wasn't a pine, a spruce of some sort. Unfortunately, they cut that down because I was that was the only shade we had. I had a uh, maple tree that was dying off for about four or five years, and I finally took it down because I was worried it was going to fall on the house or somebody. And so, you know, I I was like, you know, 
I really need some shade out here. But then there'd be direct sunlight on those two barrels and you go stand out there and it just smelled like straight up pizza parlor. <laughs> That's the best. Well, and then I live, so I should tell people, I live in town, like right in the middle of a little town. And I live in between a bar and a restaurant. And then there's a pizza place right across the street from that. So I have a lot of food smells in the backyard. And then when that pizza smell hit me, I thought, oh, that's just buds. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. that's not buds. That's my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a whole nother thing when all those herbs come in and it's really sunny and you can just smell all of them. I don't know about you, but my dill, when I when my dill is really taking off, if mm-hmm. it's hot, it smells like a barrel of pickles in my backyard. <laughs> That would be all right. I joke all the time that I'm just going to let the the mint take over the backyard because, you know, it grows everywhere anyways. I'm like, I should just let the mint go because I think I would like the smell of mowed mint more than I would like the smell of more mowed grass. Well, and the thing with mint that a lot of people don't realize is that it is fantastic at keeping pests away, um, especially feline kinds of pests. So like foxes and cats. Oh my, and I've, I've had great success with mint keeping away raccoons as well. And so we plant mint, uh, mint, garlic, and onions around the perimeter of our garden. And mm-hmm. we had very few um, four litters in our garden. We had squirrels that would jump from the fence in and nibble on some of our tomatoes, but they really didn't do very much to them. And if anything, they buried them in the garden. So I'm probably going to have a ton of volunteer tomatoes next year. Probably. Now we had... Um... What did I plant this last year? Oh, I had lavender and rosemary growing in the boxes next to my deck. So um, I didn't have hardly near as much problem with bugs. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I have my little blow up hot tub and my little hillbilly haven going on on my deck back there. But I mean... It really, it it wasn't overpowering, like you're sitting back there smelling bug spray. It was very pleasant. And I noticed that I didn't have, usually years before, we'd have the little noceums and all the things that would bite. And I really just didn't have that. So I'm definitely going to be planting that combo back there. Um, my lavender, I always wait to see if it comes back. But every about three years or so, I have to start over. Yeah, lavender around here in our zone is really finicky. Last year, two years ago, I planted four that I had potted up to four-inch pots. And we had three of them that came back last year, and they grew huge. They they started out as a little four-inch plant, and at the end of this growing season, they were probably about two and a half feet in diameter each plant. Um, you couldn't even tell that the one in the middle of them was missing. You couldn't tell there had been four because they definitely filled in the gap. We're really hoping they come back this year, but we just got that wicked bad cold snap, and I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't think my – usually my rosemary, I can get a good three to four years off of a rosemary plant, and I grow it in a pot so that I can just move it closer up towards the house, and then it doesn't usually frost. Right. But I'm pretty sure this year I'm going to need new rosemary because I'm pretty darn sure that the 50 mile an hour winds and the 11 below zero Fahrenheit was enough to kill it. (laughs) Yeah, just started some time in our in our indoor veggie garden today, too, for the same reason. Uh, Our time got wiped out and so did our rosemary. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it it was just really nuts. Yeah. Um, I actually... This year, I, because I have the event coming up, um, on February 18th, I have an event coming up at Wapakoneta Fairgrounds. Well, it's the Uglies County Fairgrounds in Wapak. I should say that. So it's, uh, let me think the address. Let me look. It's 1001 Fairview, super original, Wapakoneta, Ohio. But I have the Junior Fair building and I have a little event coming up called HerbalCon. And so one of the vendors that will be there is actually bringing seeds. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. So, and you know, when I was planning it out, I know people think, oh, February, the weather, but I wanted to put it early enough 
that those people who wanted to start their seeds or, you know, maybe they, if they're starts, that kind of thing, or they get new ideas from the speakers, I wanted to do it early enough that it wasn't too late to do new starts for the new year, for that year, you know? Okay. Well, because sometimes, you know, I'll go someplace, say I'm at a fairgrounds and a garden club puts on a presentation. I think, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that next year. I don't remember that stuff. <laughs> I'm the exact same way. Actually, it's funny. I was I was telling Bob about about your event. As soon as I saw the event pop up, I was like, oh, we got to go to that. And the two weeks prior to that, both weekends prior to that, we have uh, engagements elsewhere. And he, I was like, so I think we're going to we're going to have to make a trip back up north uh, the week after my birthday. <laughs> like, oh, and I was like, yeah. So my friend's putting on this event called HerbCon. And he's like, let me guess, plant stuff. I'm like, yep. He's like, witchy stuff. I'm like, yep. And he's like, all yes. right. So how much are their tickets and where do we get them? <laughs> yes. Well, they're on my website. They're 10 bucks to get in. And if you pre-order a lunch, which means you don't have to go running anywhere and you don't have to go hungry, um, that's seven bucks. And then if you pre-order it, then we know there's food sitting there waiting for you. Just takes the guesswork. I hate having somebody come and cook and like guess is this going to sell is it not well this way we just know <laughs> exactly um so yeah so tell us about your event because it is something that's pretty unique and exciting for the area there's not a lot of events geared for for the things that you do so so tell no us there's not well there's one in uh, there is an herbal thing that goes on down by cincinnati um, but I can't remember if it's in September or it's either the middle of September or middle of October, which that's great too. That's wonderful. You can bring everything that you harvest down with you. It's on my to-do list this year for running around with my trailer. But, um, this one, I wanted to do good and early so that, like I said, so the garden starters could get out in there and they could get seeds. They could get ideas. We have, uh, speakers coming, um, we have three speakers. The first one is a, uh, reg she's a registered herbalist with the American Herbalist Guild. And she's going to be talking about clinical herbalism and how it's different than medicine and how it works and how there's different lingo and all of that. Um, just a little different vocabulary than what you normally hear. So it tends to confuse people. Um, the other speaker, uh, we have a gentleman coming who specializes in native plants and uh, bee-friendly plants. So he's going to talk about planting things that are friendly for bees, uh, that are not toxic to them, and that are uh, a little more on the native side to our area. Um, and I'm trying to think, so when you go north of Dayton and like, into indiana all of this land up here is flat 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 <laughs> super flat and yeah. it was all woodland wetland and swamp back in the day and so it's a different terrain and we have slightly different native plants than what they have say down in southern ohio where um Frontier Co-op is down there, and there's a wonderful organization called United Plant Savers down there. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's another one you should hit them up for your podcast. Um, but And they do great work down there, but up here, our native plants are a little different, you know? Um, we have a lot of your native plants that have big tap roots that break up hard clay-like soil. Um, and it, it just, it grows differently in this area. So it's, it's kind of nice to hear, you know, what's available, what can we work with that already grows well here, that we don't have to import some crazy plant from Asia, that we don't know what's going to happen when we start growing in large scale. Like, is it going to kill this? Is it going to kill that? You know? Yeah. That's a really important thing within permaculture 
you want to try to grow as many things that are native or native adjacent as possible because, you know, like you said, you know, Chinese cabbage is not native to Ohio. It's Chinese cabbage, you know, it is what it is. And so when you start growing all these non-native plants, after a while, you know, it really starts to do a number on the native birds and, and insects because that's not their natural food source, but it'll work. And right. So- effects can be really detrimental right and and so we've got him coming to talk about that and and then i'll be doing the third spot and we're just gonna talk about um plants that you can harvest or wild craft (laughs) or forage however you want to call it Mm -hmm. um some people call it wildcrafting if they're gathering to make remedies. Some people call it foraging for remedies or f- for food stuff because there's so much stuff that just grows in your yard that's edible. Yeah. You know, my husband did not realize that you can eat purslane. Um, oh, yeah. He had never, he'd always seen that as a weed. And, and, you know, a lot of people see it as a weed because it can be invasive and it can take over in a garden and most people pick it and throw it away. But when I found some, some wild purslane growing in our flower bed, I was like, don't you dare rip that up. And he's like, why? I was like, that's going in our salad for lunch. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, it is one of the most healthy, healthy plants that are native to our area. And he's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no. Well, and there's a look-alike. Well, there's it's not a look-alike. It's a look similar. Um, I put it on my Instagram last year as a reel and on TikTok because purslane is fantastic to eat. It is a little high in oxalic. I always say it wrong. Oxalic acid. So, Mm -hmm. like, if you're prone to gouty type stuff, you don't want to eat it, and you definitely don't want to eat it any every day. But I mean, it would be the same as if with rhubarb however often you would eat rhubarb you know but um so I had purslane growing but right next to it I had a plant that looks similar called spurge yep (laughs) and spurge you don't want to eat because it can be poisonous so since they were right next to each other growing in a pot that I had I was like oh well we're just gonna make this into a quick little reel and teach people eat this not that you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, education. Your event is going to be fantastic for for educating people who may, you know, just be starting out in their, you know, their journey with herbal, you know, herbal herbology, I guess, and oh, yeah. foraging and, because, you know, it, it's somewhat of a forgotten art, I'm finding. There are a lot of folks who have no idea you know, if, if they would go on a stroll through the woods, they'd come out hungry if they got lost. And I guarantee you that my butt would be fat and sassy because I know what I can eat and I can find, you know, edibles everywhere out there. And, you know, right. I realize how that is not really a standard thing being taught. I guess, you know, we grew up in similar area. I grew up not far from where you're at. And yeah, it's kind of common there, you know, in the spring, it's like people go mushroom hunting. It's what we do. There's not a yeah. lot of entertainment. So it's like, oh, we're going. To- <laughs> so like we would have whole groups of people like, let's go mushrooming. And it's, it's- right. You go mushrooming. Um, my grandpa, when I was little, used to cook dandelion greens with eggs. And, you know, my husband was a townie. <laughs> uh- and he would always flip out. Like one day we had this huge person growing on the corner of the sandbox. Well, I had been picking stuff off of that for about two or three weeks. No big deal, right? Didn't really tell him because he flips out about weird stuff. So I'm throwing it in with dinner, you know, and if you cook it with your meat, it has this really great lemon pepper taste. Mm-hmm. And I went out one day to get some and it was gone. <laughs> And I said, well, what did you do with the purslane? He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, that big weed that was growing on the side of the si- of the sandbox. He goes, have I been eating that? I'm like, oh, yeah, for like a couple months. What the hell? <laughs> and he was just freaking out. And I was like, trust me, you know, I 
know enough. Like we've all been eating it. I'm not going to kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I made plantain salve, it was, it was a joke because uh, my husband at the time, my boyfriend was, uh, was having some issues. We had really, really bad mosquitoes that uh, year I was here. Um, our neighbors, our neighborhood is not the best neighborhood. We, we live in a a rough part of the better part of rough parts of Dayton. And um, with that in mind, there's a lot of vacant properties and there's a lot of trash dumping and have a lot of that. You have a lot of pooling water. So we have like so many mosquitoes and it was terrible. So he had gotten absolutely eaten alive and I went out and forged a whole bunch of, um, yeah, planting. And so I'm out in the yard with a bucket, like crawling around on my hands and knees, picking broadleaf and narrowleaf plantain and filling up this little galvanized metal pail that I keep. And I came in with a bucket full of what he saw as weeds and grass. And he was like, what's that? And I was like, medicine. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, just trust me. And so I, you know, of course I baked it off and and got it all rendered and ready and then soaked it. And I was like, all right, next time we get attacked with mosquitoes, I've got something for you. And he just kind of laughed. And my family, um, I grew up with a neighbor who was very herbal and he made something called goose grease. And it was made basically as a, it was a plantain salve base with other things. Uh-huh. And so I have my version of his goose grease that I make and so I made a big batch of goose grease the kitchen smells like lavender and (laughs) grass and he's like what is that slime and I was like just put it all over your arms where they're itchy and he's like sure okay and he did and I kid you not 15 minutes later he came flying in for the living room he's like I just realized something I said what like I'm not itching anymore and I was like yeah I know And it's it's become a joke now. And when any of our friends have anything going on, he's like, well, hold on, I'll send my wife out in your yard and she'll figure something out to fix it. <laughs> exactly. Well, and uh, we went to hawking this last year. I took the boys uh, cryptid hunting. So we went through um, West Virginia and we went and checked out the Flatwood Monster Museum and the Bigfoot Museum and uh, Mothman oh. and all of that. And then on the way home, we were in hawking. And- <laughs> It was getting ready to rain, so the skeeters started to bite, you know, mosquitoes were biting. And so I kind of was looking around on the ground, and I was looking for some jewelweed, but they had wild violet leaves. That's close enough. So I ripped up some of them, and I rolled them between my hands, you know, and get them juicy, and rubbed them all over my legs and, and the boys' legs. And this lady looked at me, and she goes, what did you just do? So I told her, and she said, oh, my goodness, now I need to take a picture of these so I know. Like, okay, they're right there. (laughs) When we were getting ready for our wedding, we had an outdoor wedding this past July. And while we were setting up, I mean, it was hot and muggy and the mosquitoes were out. And I have lemongrass and citronella that I grow here at, at the house. And mm-hmm. so I had made some, some we, we call it bug be gone. And it's just, it's a coconut oil base. And it's just a bunch of, in essence, it's lemongrass and cat and, um, yeah, citronella. And I make my own bug spray, but it's, it's a lotion. And so I was slathering myself up with that. And they're like, oh, man, you smell really good. You smell like mm, lemons. And I'm like, yeah, it's the lemongrass. It's, and the citronella both have a very citrusy smell. And they're like, what's it for? And I was like, it's going to keep the mosquitoes away. I really thought they were going to knock each other down trying to get to the 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 bug be gone and I went through an entire jar of it (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and there there's like no substitute for that I usually when I grow lemongrass I usually do it once every other year and I gotta keep it in a pot because otherwise it's one of those that'll go crazy and it kind of takes over a spot so I'll I'll leave it in a like a bigger pot Mm -hmm. and um I will dry it and then all late summer, early fall, whenever there is a bonfire, I throw in a a handful or two. Yep. You know, just trying to keep the bugs down. You let it smolder on there. It's a really nice job of that. It does. And it smells good when it burns. Yes, it does. And I I had a girl this last year I had because... When I, I should say too, if they see me out and about, 
I have a trailer now. It's a little 10 foot trailer. And um, I pull up at a festival or wherever or at a farmer's market. And in the warm months, I just pull up and I open the back door and open the side door and put out a step. And then everybody can come on in my little mobile shop. <laughs> and then um, I bring along quart jars of um, dried herbs. So I have this thing hanging from the ceiling. It's a shoe sorter and there's all the little jars all the way around it. So if somebody's looking for some sort of herb in particular, if I have it in a bulk, I can measure out like a little six or eight ounce tin of it for them. Mm -hmm. Or say like, you know, they have a little tickle in their throat. And so I'll get them some yarrow blooms and throw in a little bit of, um, elderberries you know that kind of thing and be like here you go you know they can mix it for teas and that kind of thing but I had a girl at a festival last year she was actually vending I think she was she was one of the food vendors and she literally came over and she said do you have lemongrass oh and I said well all I have right now is about a half a quart jar and she said great she said I'll buy the whole jar I'll bring back the jar at the end of the weekend and she was burning that off to the side from where she was grilling meat because she said that the bugs were biting her her legs so badly oh it's crazy I was like I'm happy to oblige whatever works for you <laughs> well the nice thing is like you said you know the lemongrass can can take over it's really hard to get started from a seed um, oh it's terrible to get from a seed oh man we tried last year and tried and tried and out of I think we started 36 uh, little cells of lemongrass and out of 36 cells we had two when it, oh, was, wow. it was time to put them out yeah they they're just so hard to to get to get going we would get them to where they would sprout and they'd be about an inch tall and then for no apparent reason they would just brown up keel over and die and for whatever reason two of them survived <laughs> but you know once you get them going those things can go forever and they are an invaluable resource, you know, to plant those around patios and things. It's a great way to naturally repel those bugs. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We've also yeah. noticed uh, lavender and lemongrass are both great ways to keep cats out of our flower beds. We have a bunch of feral cats in the area. Yeah. And, uh, they like to dig around and do their business in my front flowers. And our front flower bed is almost entirely edibles. It's, um, well, there's lavender, sage, and nasturtium, and hostas, and then rose on the one side. The other side's got mostly hostas, marigolds, and black-eyed Susans currently. And we've got a yarrow that we're trying to get to, to, to come back. But you can eat 90% 90, 90 of that because you can eat nasturtiums. They taste them. kind of uh, peppery when you put them in with a salad. Um, you can eat uh, hostas. I did this yep. last year. I ate mine. Um, and you pull them when they're still kind of curled up in a chute. And you can pull them and use them like you would green onions. Yeah. They, to me, they're a cross between an onion and an asparagus, I guess. is the best A little bit. Yeah, the texture for me was a little bit more like asparagus. Like, it's a little bit tougher than an onion, but the flavor was more oniony. It was a strange thing. I tried it this year, and it was, yeah, it was a whole new world. Roses. It was, yeah, I was like, huh, and I've had these growing the whole time. And then, um, what else did you say you had out there? Lavender, which obviously you can do all kinds of things with. Oh, lavender. yeah. I... I found that if you take lavender and put some sprigs of fresh lavender in with some fresh slices of lemon, throw it in some water, let it sit in the sun for a couple of hours. Oh, it is pretty good. Tea. Oh, man, it is incredible. And the flavor just, it, it blows my mind. And it turns almost pink. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's a strange thing, but it's fantastic. And the nasturtium, you can eat not only the leaves, but the flowers as well are totally oh, and the seeds, if you throw them in a pepper grinder, if you dry them and throw them in a pepper grinder, they taste a million times better than just black peppercorns to grind up. It has a way more complex flavor profile to them. We've done. Yes. And then we've got roses out front as well, which you can do all kinds of things with rose as well. Right. And most of my roses, um, I don't 
because my house sits right on the street, I don't put anything out front that I can, that I use for edibles because I just feel like it's too close to all the semis that are blowing out the back, black smoke and stuff. Right. But my rose bushes out back, usually I use all those blooms when I make the soaps and rose waters for um, bath bombs and all of that good jazz. And then I'll dry some and bring them along for teas because it's super soothing for the gut. Just super soothing. It is. I had no idea how many health benefits rose plants had. And um, when I, when I moved in here, um, when I moved in, let's see, 2020. No. Yeah. 2020. I moved in in July of 2020. Um, It was, or no, 2021, I guess. Anyhow, when I moved in, um, there were already two rose bushes here, but they were really overgrown and they just, Bob wasn't trimming them. And so they were kind of getting crazy. And so I trimmed them back and the amount of blooms that I got following that was just ridiculous. They have grown tremendously since then. And I did some research because I'm like, well, what can I do with roses? Because I try to only plant things that have a benefit of some sort that either- medicinal or edible or both or pollinators you know and I I grew the black-eyed Susan specifically because they are are native to our area and so for pollinators I wanted them you know there for that and right olds are really good at repelling bugs so I put the marigolds in between because the front flower bed was getting devastated by bugs which now are they the the little Mexican double um marigolds like the ones you plant in kindergarten or are they like the calendula marigolds no these are not calendula the calendula we grow in our actual actual yeah. um no the ones out front are actually giant they the heads on them get to be about four inches across yeah i know which ones you're talking about those will keep deer out of your garden too so like if anybody kind of lives in the country or in the burbs or whatever when i lived out in the country i used to put those the little mexican marigolds i would plant them around the perimeter of my garden because otherwise i would end up with bambi picking all my lettuce clean (laughs) yep so and i don't think i never did get a i always kept trying to plant an apple tree or two and the deer would come and just clean all the leaves and bark off the saplings and i never did get one to get growing it was, it was always fighting with Bambi. I'm like, look, I don't want to shoot you, but you're pushing my, my limits. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely relate to, to that. <laughs> or like the year that I bottle fed the litter of bunnies because I thought I killed the mama by accident. And then when I set them loose, they ate off everything in my garden. <laughs> it was one of those hey thanks for being ungrateful little guys <laughs> yeah yeah but you know you live you learn I probably did not kill the mama and I just you know further progressed them picking off all my stuff but <laughs> but you know but what? Yeah. <laughs> right but yeah no um so all of that will be covered with HerbalCon, all kinds of great stuff there. And we're going to have vendors. Like I said, we ha- I know I have one vendor coming with seeds. Um, there's going to be some vendors there that have your plant needs. Um, so like pots and hangers and those types of items. Um, there's also going to be myself and at least one other vendor bringing um, our own plants and herbs that we dry and grow and like different teas and products that we make from those. Um, so it's going to be a nice mix, I'd say. I agree. Now, if somebody would want to purchase some of your handmade bath bombs or your soaps or any of your, your herbal mixes that you make... Um, where can they purchase those things other than at events where you're attending? Can they buy those online or order them? Yep. Yep. Herb Chick Online is my base um, website. Um, I am working on some changes, but it's not down yet. It's going to take me a month or two to get that all hammered and squared away. But um, yeah, so it's Herb Chick Online, all one word, all lowercase. And if you go to the shop, 
Um, so when you pull it up at this point, it's just very bright and very purple. And um, there is a menu, and I'm not sure if you can see it or not, but there's a menu. If the menu is not coming up, like if you're on the mobile, sometimes it just has the, the magic three lines. Mm-hmm. But um, you click, click on that and uh, it'll drop down the menu and there is um, the blog. There is a link to my podcast, which is um, Holistic Badass. Oh, okay. Yeah. So on a mobile, on your phone, it would come up with the three little lines that you click on to get the menu. But on a desktop or a laptop, you're going to get the expanded thing. It actually has all the words. But yeah, so there's the shop. All of the stuff that I make is available in the shop. There is, um, because I also teach belly dance and yoga, so there's a little blurb in there about that. I kind of brought it all back into one um, one website instead of paying for multiple. Um, There's the event calendar, and yeah, so it's all in there. When you pull it, there's some stuff across the bottom, so it always shows, like, the last four items that are um, listed or yeah, the last four things that you list in the shop is always across the bottom. So right now the HerbalCon tickets are right on the front landing page, as well as the box lunch options. Awesome. And you've got a, you've actually have a a monthly box subscription, right? The bad and bougie box. I do. The bad and bougie box is a, so once a month, you can order it by the month or you can order a whole year's worth, whatever works for you. But once a month, I mail out or deliver or drop off, you know, whatever works. Um, it's a box. And in the box, you are guaranteed to get one soap and one bath bomb that match in a scent. And then I kind of fill it out with some other items so that it's... Um, just a nice little sampling of different items that I make because I make a lot of stuff. And sometimes, you know, I feel like this would be a little bit of a way to try some different items that maybe you wouldn't have tried before. So like lip balms and body balms. And then um, my body balms, I call them bitch and body balms. And then I have one that is the unscented, uh, version. It's like the big daddy balm. It's uh, got plantain and wild violet and purple deadhead nettles and uh, comfrey all infused in, in hemp oil and made into a salve. So it is way bitchin' body balm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so I always feel like, you know, sometimes people don't know what you make. So I guarantee every month it's one soap and one bath bomb that match. And then just a little bit of a sampling. So like one month you might get some tea. Um, Last year there was a month everybody got hand-dipped incense and a little incense tray. Um, One month they got, oh, I think the month I did lavender last year, everybody got a little rice bag, you know, cut out for their eyes and yeah. Very cool. And all of that's available by checking out Lori's website. And that is the herbchickonline.com. Um, I'm sorry, herbchickonline.com. And you can also find Lori on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so there's a ton of information for her business there. Um, now you teach classes as well. Um, I know you mentioned the yoga and the belly dance, but yeah. You do some other things as well, correct? Yeah, I will have some classes coming up um, as the year goes on. In fact, I just was sitting down with my calendar before this, um, just planning out um, some in-person stuff and some online classes like Zoom. That is one thing that quarantine shutdowns really kind of made people realize that nothing is inaccessible. Because there's always a way, you know, so Zoom is pretty magical if people can't get to you in person, but I'll do herb walks once in a while. I'll do like um, urban and suburban foraging where um, usually I'll do it in person or people can tune in by Zoom. And I literally, we just start walking 
and we check out what's in my backyard. And then I have a couple of friends that live around town that let me scavenge their backyard. Or we'll stop and check out what's growing in between the sidewalk cracks, let people get pictures, take notes so they can see what is what, um, you know, tell people what to stay away from. Like I did notice in my one flower bed, I've got to get out there digging. I have some hemlock trying to come up. So I got to get out there and dig that stuff out before it gets gross again this week. Yeah, because that can be really gnarly. It's, it's, I mean, I know what it is. I'm not going to eat it. Um, But a lot of people really get it super confused with um, uh, wild carrot or queen ants lace. And they do not flower at the same time. Um, They literally are not even remotely the same. I don't know why people freak out all the time. And then I have people who try to say that it's yarrow. And I'm just, oh my goodness. Yeah, we had um we had some pokeweed growing behind our garage and I had somebody that was trying to convince me that it was elderberry and I'm like, "Oh no. No, 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 no. Do not eat no. it. that is that is poison right there." <laughs> yeah, yeah, no poke is great for uh dyeing fabric though. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely got benefits, but when they were getting yeah. to grab them and try to eat them, it was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, not on that. Now, I I really want to go uh, West Virginia in the hills out there. They have a poke festival come um, spring hmm. and they take the very young poke as it just the young shoots and they cook that stuff down and make all kinds of dishes with it. Yeah, I, you know, there are some ways to eat poke, but I personally am just not at a skill. I know. I'm there, you know. See, and I dug out a poke that was eight and a half foot tall this year. Last year, I let them grow. Well, I guess 2020, I let it grow because I kind of wanted to see what it was. Right. You know, and then in 2021, I sat there and fought it the whole time because once you get it going, it just goes crazy. And then um, this year, this past summer, I had it growing in between a big patch of burdock that I let go. And I let the burdock go on purpose because I was digging it up for the root. The root, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was in there one day making a video showing people how to eat the stalks on the burdock. And I thought, oh, shit, that's not burdock. Stalks, that's poke. I thought I had that all gone. But it ended up growing eight foot tall and the root on it... <sighs> It. I took turns with a friend of mine digging it up, and the root ended up being bigger than my hand. It was gigantic. It's yeah. It's almost impossible to get those roots out without a hatchet sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. It was like a tree. But there are some herbal preps. I do not make my own because I don't feel secure enough to do it. However, I do know a couple of companies that will make a poke extract. And it's usually the root and they like, it is so powerful that they use one drop per day. That's it. One drop. It's, it's crazy. I, like I said, I, I personally have not messed with it much other than, you know, letting it grow because like you said, it's great to use to dye fabrics. It's also really good to, to stain wood. Um, Yes. If you use pine, which is a very pale colored wood, you can make a a poke stain with it. And as long as you rough up the wood first and put the poke on there and then just let it dry, it, I mean, it turns out really pretty pink. Yeah. It's like a pinkish purple color. It's gorgeous. Yes. I do like that a lot, but yeah, no, it's definitely, I, I have a brother who's a history professor that was over one time and he was like oh what are these i can eat these right and i was all like drop it drop it (laughs) don't eat that just don't (laughs) (laughs) exactly well it has been fantastic talking to you sure um if you would ever like to do some urban exploring you are welcome to take a class through if you would want to venture this direction um good forest because we have uh more than things and i can list off online but uh we 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 just planted indoor garden 
today. We got they're called Mr. Stacky. They are a tower garden system that are super inexpensive. You can get them on Amazon. And we Mr. Uh, Stacky, that would be better because the actual tower garden ones are like crazy expensive. These are not bad at all. There's the ones that we have have uh, four. It's like a clover leaf, four of them, and uh-huh. they stack. And you can stack them on top of each other, or you can leave them as they come, which are five trays tall. So that's twenty individual pots, and we we have all kinds of things. We have pretty much every kitchen herb you can think of growing in them, as well as a couple of varieties of lettuce, um, some indoor variety tomatoes. We actually planted cucumbers in them, which we're going to let trellis down the sides of the stackies. And the very top, we talked about nasturtium, the very top of both of our stackies are nasturtium, because in our household, we eat a lot of nasturtium. Because yeah, but they're about great. It. I had, you know, honestly and truthfully, I had never heard of nasturtium until two, two years ago. I'd seen it, but I didn't know what it was. excuse me i'm still coming over bronchitis um but once we learned about it and started cultivating it it's been it's been a staple in our diet now ever since and so we wanted to grow some because i'm really missing our nasturtium patches out front (laughs) well and it's it's really important to keep a variety of foods in your diet Mm -hmm. so i kind of and plus just in the environment in general, because when you start narrowing it down where everybody's growing the same four or five varieties of some type of food stuff, and then you end up with say a blight or a mold or mildew or some type of bacteria that just attacks those four or five different varieties Mm -hmm. because they're all so closely related. Well, then you just screwed up your whole food supply of that. Um, Like Ireland had the potato famine Mm -hmm. um, and down through, what is it? South America through the seventies, I want to say they had a problem with some, some, it was a blight that attacked the one type of um, banana tree. So all the bananas that we eat switched to a different variety. And, you know, I mean, but do we really want to do that? Why don't we just always grow a variety? You know, to me, that makes more sense. Just always grow a variety. We have a problem this year with cabbage moths. I mean, it just ravaged all of our brassicas. Our turnips looked absolutely pitiful. Luckily, the tuber part, the, the underground portion, the root grew fantastic on my turnips. But all of our turnips that we had planted for the greens None of them had any greens. They had just little sticks sticking up off the ground. Oh, no. Because yeah, was, see, oh, terrible. And things like that. You know, if you don't have a variety of things planted or a variety of of types, yeah. um, you, you end up with huge problems. And, you know, there's so many varieties out there. You, you just got to, like, taste the rainbow, man. Oh, <laughs> You know, we tried a brand new variety of tomatoes this year. I had never heard of them. They were, um, they were a Domo Italia Roma tomato. And I, you know, went to the greenhouse and I was like, look, we're getting a late start on some of our things. My tomato starts are pitiful and leggy. I got to get some starts in the ground. I'm going to succession plant because I got to get something in here or I'm going to go crazy without any fresh tomatoes. Right. So I these And I told him I wanted, you know, a paste tomato aroma or something. And he said, well, I've got these and these are our own blend. These are our own, you know, we hybrided these seeds. These are ours. And they're really great. They'll give you some huge Roma tomatoes. And I'm expecting, you know, maybe like a baseball size, you know, like a really big Roma tomato. No. Right. My smallest were baseball size. These Roma tomatoes, I joke you not, were as large as softballs. They, we had to stake our tomato plants and trellis them because they were so heavy. The tomato plants were like drooping no matter what kind of caging we did on them. These tomatoes were massive. And we got, I can't even tell you how many tomatoes. We had almost 800 pounds of tomatoes we harvested this year out of our garden. Holy shnikes. Yeah. That's awesome. We, I mean, we can and process our tomatoes. I, I peel them and blanch them and then I save the skins and we dehydrate the skins and turn them into a powder that we mix in with soups and things like that. So I mean, we have got tomatoes for days. I've got cases upon cases of canned tomatoes at this point, diced tomatoes, whole tomatoes, the whole shebang. In fact, I had so many cherry tomatoes um, that ended up being more like a grape tomato. They're as big as my thumb that I actually canned six six quarts of cherry tomatoes, which normally you wouldn't do because they're so small. 
but I had so many they were coming out of my nose I didn't know what to do with them all so I canned some of them oh I I've already like went into bumper crop of the cherries or the grapes I just cut them in half and throw them in with salsa you know and then um oh my goodness I have I usually don't put in plugs but I'm kind of a pampered chefaholic and they have a blender that heats. So after I cook down the tomatoes and then I hang them out in a pillowcase, like my mom always did, you know, and you let everything drain off and then I run them through a food mill and then I throw them back in that blender that heats and cooks. Cause it has a sauce setting. And I literally put in like a handful of my own garlic, my own onions, my own oregano, my own basil. And I just turn on sauce and I walk away and then it beeps when it's done. That's amazing. Yeah, no, like usually I don't plug companies like that, but okay, that, that particular item needs a plug. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. I, my pampered chef can opener is, is my baby. I won't use, right? I won't use an electric can opener and I, I don't like any other can openers. I love the pampered chef one. It doesn't make sharp edges. And I've had the, right. I've had that same can opener, oh gosh, almost 18 years now. Cause I got it. I got it when I moved out and went to college so I've had it almost 18 years so yes and they become your babies but yeah so not to not to say that people have to do that however if you happen to find one that does that it's great come tomato season that sounds amazing well and then you could even can the the homemade sauce that you made as well I mean yes so many you can can it um I've already like not had time to do the whole deal, you know, and just can the whole tomatoes. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, great. We don't have any spaghetti sauce. So we just put a couple of jars, you know, I'll drain the juice off of a jar and put one jar with the juice, one jar without the juice, run it through on a cycle in that blender with all the stuff and boom, we've got sauce. It's a really good feeling to know that you have everything you need right here. Exactly. You know, I'll I'll leave it in closing with this because I know we're <laughs> we've oh, yeah. been on this for a long time. But you know, I don't know about you, but you know, when I tell people, you know, we have a permaculture food forest, and they're like, "Wait, don't you live in the city?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we have a farm in the middle of the historical district of the city." And they're like, "What?" Like, it's totally possible. You just you just got to learn how to make your space work for you. And then they're like, "But what do you do with all of that?" When I tell them how much food we grow here, they're just they're blown away. And the question is always, you know, what do you do with it all? And I kind of stare at them blankly for a few minutes and let it sink in. What do you do with all of the food that you've raised to eat? And I just stare at them for a minute. And they're like, oh, you guys eat it all? And I'm like, well, yeah, we eat a mostly vegan diet, not because we are against meat, but because we really love vegetables and fruits. And And it's there. It's, it's healthy. It doesn't have preservatives and junk in it. And if you've ever eaten a tomato you've grown yourself and then buy a tomato and eat it, they're two different vegetables. Oh, yeah. They taste totally different. Totally different. So, you know, just the same with, with you know, foraging. It's like, have you ever gone to a grocery store and found a ramp? And they're like, what? You've never had a ramp? Do you even know what it is? And they're like, no. Like, well, there you go. You have to be really careful about it that you don't over harvest it. But as yeah, long as you're respectful to the environment and, and you, you know, minimally harvest. It is one of the most delicious things you'll ever eat in the spring. And so then they go on their, you know, their phones and they start Googling and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you can eat this stuff. Yeah, it, 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 it just it's a matter of getting out there, getting some practice, getting a, a little more bold and trying things you know yeah and then smartphones are great for it you just take your phone with you get a really good plant id app and if you have any question at all just use that plant id app or bring along a really good field guide exactly does wonders exactly or sign up for a class from the herb chick who teaches you to identify those things you know yes yes you know, find a local expert in your area and, you know, sign up for some classes because in a time where, where the cost of, of food is just getting ridiculous. I mean, I don't know about where, what it's like back home, but down here, a dozen eggs is getting absolutely ridiculous. 
I am currently buying from some kids who are growing, raising chickens for 4-H. So I'm getting them for five bucks a dozen. Yeah. And that's farm raised, like delicious, you know, nutrition. Super fresh eggs. And if you go to the grocery store around here and buy a dozen eggs that have been sitting in a cooler for God knows how long from factory farmed chickens that have been washed and the bloom removed and they're only you know refrigerator stable they're not shelf stable like a fresh egg is you're looking at five or six bucks a dozen for commercially processed eggs right and to me that's crazy that two years ago i could buy a dozen eggs for 50 cents (laughs) right right it's getting a little nuts so you got to save where you can Exactly. That's the great thing about foraging and gardening. And, you know, guys, I I definitely encourage you to check out um, Herb Chick online for the HerbCon sign up. You can get your tickets there for $10 a piece. If you want to do the lunch, like Lori was saying, make sure you sign up ahead of time. Um, I do see that they have vegan options as well as regular uh, diet options as well. So if you are like me and you are a veggie lover, they have food to fit those needs. And if you're wanting to try some of Lori's uh, handmade items, her, her herbal items, check out her shop because she has a huge variety of things. Check out the Bad and Bougie box if you want to get feet wet in some of these things. Um, if you're not ready to start growing or, or making these things yourself yet, check out what Lori's doing there on her own urban homestead. She, like she said, she, like me, lives in town and yep. making all of these things. You know, we've got the barrels full of oregano and basil and other things. And that's a way to make it with the space you've got. I thank you so much for your time, Lori. I am so no problem. My very first guest. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you at HerbalCon if I don't see you beforehand. Yes, ma'am. No uh, problem. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.